0: This is the Action Network Podcast. It's on target, and it is good! Wow! All right, here
1: we go. From the ten, throwing in zone. Spectacular catch! They're saying it's a catch! Touchdown! You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh my God, that's incredible! <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh.
0: You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway.
1: What's going on, everybody? Today, we are talking about how to bet the NFL preseason. I'm your host, Dane Martinez, and with me once again are my two guys, Chris Rabon and Sean Kerner. How you guys doing? This is a little bit of calm before the storm, but that doesn't mean there's not an edge to be had. How you guys doing? feeling good man i mean we got what 3 days until the into yes. the hall of fame game it finally
2: feels like football's back you know people start to talk about madden and, and stuff again so it's that time of year
1: all right. So let me ask you guys though, and, and you know, Sean, I'll start with you. Let's get the elephant out of the room, you know, because yeah, sure, Madden Raidens, maybe NFL or you know, fantasy football draft season. For a lot of people, they have not really dove in with both feet just yet into the NFL. So let's talk about it. I mean, is this like we were joking about just like the degenerate special hell, I'll bet two eight-year-old girls kickboxing. But the question is, is there really an edge to be had here?
0: Yeah. And, um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I used to think only degenerates bet the preseason and I'm a degenerate myself. So oh. I, you know, I wouldn't fault anybody, but I started. You gave me it.
1: the lean on those eight-year-old kickboxing girls. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but last year was the first time I really just dove in. You said two feet. I just went all in when it comes to betting on preseason. Cause I'm already projecting all the players for DFS and player props yes. anyway. That I realized I have a really good handle on all the information. That's honestly the biggest edge when it comes to preseason is it's so hard to get information. So if you have it and you know when certain players are playing or when they're going to be playing their starters, you can use that to your advantage. So I found that there was a massive edge in preseason betting either before the game or in game. So, yeah, going into this season, I am all in on preseason betting.
1: Hey, Chris, what about you? You know, one of the things Sean mentioned was this idea of he was already doing this work in the DFS world. And I know there are edges to be had in the DFS world when you talk to beat writers and you look at snap counts. But what do you think? Is there an edge to be had here in August?
2: Yeah, I think there absolutely is, Dane. And it's because of, you know, what Sean alluded to, like the information uh, it's a it's it's out there but it's it's different kind of information than i think you need in the regular season you really do need to be plugged into these team beat right reports and these team practice reports and and you really need to understand you know who's the second team, who's the third team on the depth chart, you know, who do they want to see more of who has been standing out in practice that that's not to say he's going to have success in the game, but he's going to at least get more snaps and that, you know, it's a lot of knowing who's going to play. And then it's also, I think unlike the regular season um, I think it's, it's a little more about picking your spots. I think there are uh, certain trends that are important where like you have to understand Uh, a coach like John Harbaugh, for example, with the Ravens, um, he tends to approach preseason a little bit differently uh, than most other coaches. So, um, you know, I I personally think the Baltimore Ravens in the preseason is the best bet in sports. Um, They're they're 40 and 12 under Harbaugh, 77% straight up. They're 36 and 15 with one push against the spread. That is a 71% uh, cover rate against the spread. Uh, and, And since 2016, they're 20 and 0 straight up in the preseason and 17 2 and 1 against the spread. So, like my preseason like while there's a lot of edges to be had, that's one of the things that like I'm paying more attention to is like I'm not a big trends guy. Like I'm aware of trends, but I always think you have to handicap. Whereas here, there are certain things that we don't we get such a small sample of preseason games each year. There's only 3. That once you have a certain coach who has built up a sample of 52 games, you can really start to understand um, how he's going to to, to uh, approach that. And also there's the, another edge comes from the fact that there's just, there's the I think the information between you and the books is a little more on equal footing, right? Yes. Like the, the books is kind of like props, you know, certain props they're putting out and they're not spending as much time on it. And I think that's kind of the same thing with the preseason. There's just not enough information to fully model and spend as much time on it. So I would say some you know, people like Sean and I are probably spending even more time than the books are um, with, with a lot of this information. And that's why I think... Um, there's there's an edge to be had.
1: You know, it's interesting. You guys talk about being on even footing with the books. I remember in years past with the introduction of the AAF and the XFL, we also thought about kind of being on even footing with the books themselves. And then it comes down to the information. You guys are both talking about the information. So Sean, talk to me like, what? are the kinds of information that you're looking for is it snap count is it what position battles are going on is it if a coach is really going to be aggressive and try to win because he's a new first year head coach like what are the kinds of information that you are looking for whether it be from brief reporters or anybody else yeah
0: so it's it's all the above um I mean again I'm projecting every player how long they'll play, when they'll play, which comes in handy for in-game betting. We can get to that later. But Mm. a perfect example of a bet last year that I made was, um, you know, the Panthers were having their dress rehearsal in week three, which is now the last week of the preseason. Um, So I knew they were going to play their entire starting lineup uh, for the first half, for the entire first half. And the Steelers, since they played in the Hall of Fame game, um, it was more of just the scrub bowl where they rested all their starters and they had all the backups that were on the roster bubble playing the game. So I took the Panthers uh, minus three and a half for the first half. Um, I know, you know, Sam Darnold is not good, but going up against third stringers and fourth stringers, he's not bad. So they covered easily. It was 17, nothing. I think they missed out on like another touchdown. They went for it on fourth and goal or something. So it was a blowout. But that was just an example of two teams having a completely different approach to the game just based on scheduling. So just being aware of that and knowing when and where to attack, uh, that's that's where I think you get the biggest edge.
1: Yeah, you know, knowing the intent and the objective of the team, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's not just to win. Sometimes it's to get a long, hard look at certain guys because they have to make their decision as they get down to 53. I mean, Chris, one of the things that Sean mentioned is the quote unquote dress rehearsal. And I wanted to ask you about that. It used to be hey, the third preseason game, we're going to see these starters, you know, for a full half. Is that really still the case? I mean, there's a lot of coaches now that are kind of eschewing that even for something like the joint practices that happen earlier on in the kind of training camp schedule. So, so Chris, are you still looking at like week three as different than the other weeks?
2: No, it's a case-by-case basis because, okay. and, and this is why you have to, I think, you know, your question to Sean was, you know, what kind of information are you looking for? I think right. uh, keeping up with beat reports is key because for what's going to happen is nowadays with, you know, there, there being such access to information is a beat reporter there's going to be a a report on a practice every day. So every day of training camp, there's a new article coming out from Mm -hmm. at least one, but it's usually many, almost all the beat reporters are doing a day-by-day count. And if you can kind of keep up with those, um then you're gonna they're gonna have access to coaches they're gonna talk to coaches they're gonna talk to position coaches and because it's sometimes it's not the head coach that's gonna decide playing time and like and, and right. sometimes it's like, sometimes it's like yeah it might be the okay the wide receivers coach sure. wants to see two guys and so they're gonna play more and but the point is if you kind of keep up with this stuff you, you you start to understand okay who's practicing with the ones the twos the threes you understand who um you know you're, you're hearing what the coaches are saying and that's how you know what they're plans are going to be because coaches are they you know the, the media first of all they kind of know that there is this this niche crowd now that bets on the preseason that plays DFS right. so they are they're starting to ask the right questions and ask about playing time and you know how long are we going to expect the starters to go and you know who's going to be playing in the fourth quarter and so you know because it's preseason and it's pretty low stakes the coaches are a little bit more forthcoming uh, about this kind of information, you just—it's just a little more obscure information that you have to sometimes dig for. Like you, you're not just going to see it like on the front page of of NFL.com or sure. even ActionNetwork.com. So I think you know that's really the key. It's every coach is going to treat it different. Some coaches, like Sean McVay, he may not play a start as a snap all preseason. Um, you know, some coaches, especially, you know, newer coaches, maybe coaches with younger teams, um, they want to see those guys. And so they are going to treat it like a true dress rehearsal. And even then it's like the dress rehearsal used to be, you go into the third quarter. Some now, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's you're playing to the half. So you really have to know that, especially with the quarterbacks because quarterbacks passing such a big component of how a game uh, unfolds that you kind of really, uh, if, if anything, you want to nail down that quarterback rotation first and foremost. And I think you get that information from following the practice reports and, and, the, and the B reports.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when we're talking about the third and fourth string safety who may get a swing tackle job when they're going up against an actual number one edge rusher, these are the mismatches that you may want to exploit, whether it be in DFS or betting the NFL preseason. That's why we're giving it to you here right now. The Gambler's Guide to Betting the NFL Preseason. Dane Martinez, Chris Raybon, and of course, Sean Kerner. Now you're talking about these different sources of information, not even on actionnetwork.com. So I got to ask you guys where are you finding this Sean I want to start with you like what teams have you found or beat reporters that you have found where you may be able to get this kind of information like who should I be tailing from what random beat writer on say the Panthers or some other team that I don't even really follow
0: yeah it's a case-by-case basis I I Uh. recommend having Twitter lists I follow a few Twitter lists I believe I have my own too but Um, you you just want the most up-to-date beat reporters for every team. The Athletic does a great job Mm. of breaking down, you know, every day there's practice and they kind of report on, you know, what like Rayba mentioned, you know, what they're going to try to accomplish in their upcoming preseason game. So you get a bunch of clues from that, but I'm tracking everything on a team by team basis. I mean, I already told you I'm making projections. So I have notes on everybody. I'm tracking all of this stuff, but the easiest way really is Twitter, uh, specifically making a list for preseason, just because, there is so much you have to sift through. Um, There's a ton. So just, you know, having an up-to-date, fresh Twitter list is the best way to go.
1: Same for you, Chris. Uh, You just, you know, kind of making a list, following beat reporters, getting as much information as you can from the people that are closest to the practices themselves?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I do a Twitter list where I add any beat reporter of a team that I come across, I pretty much add, like, and not even based on, you know, I mean, I don't really know any poor quality beat replies or at least off the top of my head so it's like i'm not looking like oh well i only want this saints guy and not that other saints guy, like right, guy. Right. anyone that i know or come across i'm adding them i'm following them i'm throwing them in a list um and then uh, as sean mentioned the athletic that's I, I love i love what they do there they, they go really in depth um with their articles so like they'll give you stats sometimes of like what the quarterbacks are doing in the in, in mm-hmm. each practice and and then they'll they'll tell you kind of like you know who's standing out, who's not. What the coaches are saying. So I think they do a great job. ESPN, NFL Nation. They they usually have a a beat writer assigned to every team, and they're talking about what's happening in camp. So I, I follow. Uh, you know I, I read that as well. Um, I think Reddit sometimes can be a good source of information um, for things You know some depending on you know it, it, if it's not like a mainstream. Necessarily like an athletic or ESPN, but some other beat writer has something good um, that will pop up on Reddit a lot of the time. So um, those are my three big ones. But yeah, I'm like reading. it's, It's more than just Twitter. It's like reading tweets is one thing. But like I like I like something like the athletic or ESPN because I can read whole articles and really kind of get into it. You know, tweets, you're kind of at the mercy of who's tweeting what when. Um, so while I I do look at that and that's easy way to kind of have it at a bird's eye view, I really like to dig in and and leave enough time every day to kind of keep up with, um, the articles uh, for, for, for all 32 teams and and spend some time on that. So you spend an hour on that every day and that kind of adds up and, you know, to Sean's point, um, you know, kind of knowing all the players, um, you know, looking depth charts, depth charts are another key piece of information I should mention too, because again, you're not going to see much from the first stringer. So, you know, certain teams, are going to be a lot deeper than others. And if you have a good second team, a good third team, um, that's a lot more important. And so just kind of knowing those depth charts and, and who's, gonna, who's even on those teams is, is pretty important as well.
1: All right, so let's spin it forward, guys. You know, we've got football this week, or maybe we can call it football. We'll see about that. We've got the Jaguars, their one and a half point favorites against the Vegas Raiders. The total for this game at this point is 32 and a half. That is down a point from 33 and a half. Ironically, that total going through the number of 33. I mean, is there anything we're looking for in this game? My kind of conventional wisdom is to kind of lean under you know these guys have only had maybe a week of practice so far I don't know if the timing is right I don't know if they're doing anything that is you know more impressive than their base vanilla defense we're not going to see any double a gap blitzes right now you know what I mean so what are you thinking about as we actually put the ball in the air in Canton Ohio this week Sean I'll start with you
0: well you know This game, uh, I'm going to wait for information, but I'm assuming the Raiders won't be playing Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams. They're they're too established. We already know what they are at this point in their career. Um, Whereas the Jaguars, they probably do want to get Trevor Lawrence some reps here. Trevor's ATN possibly if he's healthy enough Mm. to suit up. Christian Kirk, I mean, their brand-new, expensive wide receiver, they're going to want to get him reps. So if if we have the Jaguars' first-string offense going up against backups – I would be interested um, in taking the Jaguars in, say, the first quarter, first half, depending on the discrepancy. Uh, But that's something that I'll wait. uh, Once we have a better idea, um, I'll wait on that. And then, like you said, the under for the Hall of Fame game, it's always pretty low scoring because you're going to see more backups. Uh, But, I mean, the total reflects that. I think it's down to like 32 and a half or something. I do like to take my spots with the total in-game, typically when they pull the starters. Uh, a good example is last year when Rayba and I were at the 49ers versus the Chargers. Um, I said once they pull Trey Lance, it's going to be Nate Sudfeld versus Easton Stick. I want I'm all over the under, and we saw um, Nate Sudfeld warming up on the sideline. So I figured right. that this is Trey Lance last drive. So I, I you know hammered the under in game. We were there in person. Uh, And there was zero points scored in the last like 20 minutes of the game. So there are spots where, yeah, you want to take advantage of the under, but the hall of fame game, we already know it's going to be a bunch of scrubs. So the total is already very low.
1: Yeah, interesting. I will say this, though, pick sixes and fumble scooping and <laughs> scores do count yeah. against the under when you go with that strategy. So like you said, Sean, you got to pick your spots. Hey, yeah. Chris, what about you? What do you think for this Hall of Fame game? You know, Sean mentioned the idea of Trevor Lawrence trying to get those reps, some of the new members or returning members of the Jags. But there's also there's also a new head coach there in Jacksonville. So could that be yet another reason to try to get more reps against competition? What do you say there, Chris?
2: Yeah, I mean this, I mean really there's new coaches on both on both teams. So it, you know, it's but I do think the Jaguars like to your point they're they're a younger team um I, and I think that you will see them play more of their prominent players longer than the Raiders do if the Raiders do at all. Um so I do lean the Jaguars in this spot and you know, you know, looking at I mean Doug Peterson you can't really glean much from their, their records. You know, he's eight and eight in the preseason against the spread McDaniels is three and five. I think McDaniels coming from that new England, um, you know, you know, frame of mind. I don't think he's going to, I think he's going to be more looking at specific things. And I think he's going to be playing guys who, uh, you know, I I just don't think the Raiders are going to go as hard as what what I'm trying to say. So, and, but I will say this, here's the, here's really the edge here. Cause again, you got to kind of know, it comes down to to, to spec- like quarterbacks are always gonna play a big part here. And this is a game where we might see the four string quarterbacks for, for these teams. you know. And the Jaguars, they just signed uh, Kyle Slaughter. And if you follow the NFL preseason, you know that Kyle Slaughter is like the GOAT of NFL preseason. He averages 8.1 yards per attempt in his preseason career, 11 touchdowns, one pick. And uh, you know, if if the if the Raiders played their four string, it would be Chase Garbers, you know, a 22 uh, 2022 undrafted free agent out of Cal. So I think the I think the Jags have an edge there, even down to the four string. So um I, I like the Jags for all those reasons. And then as far as the total, uh this there's actually this game fits a trend. So when we see the total drop and it's open at 33 and a half, it's dropped all the way to 30 and a half. Um, and I think that's because you are going to see a lot of, you know, third and, and four stringers. It's in the hall of fame game. It's the only game where, you know, the only teams that have four preseason games. So I, I think that in this spot, the under is the play. Um, if we go back, we've seen unders that drop by two or more points in the preseason uh, since 2004 go 59, 44, and three. Uh, that is a 57% hit rate. And, and again, this Hall of Fame game uh, does fit that trend.
1: All right, fair enough. Now, let me get you out of here, guys, on this. Here's one or two things I'm looking at for the 2022 NFL preseason. I want you guys to react to them and then tell me if there's any other kind of leans, any other nuggets that we should be aware of as this preseason commences here in August. The first for me, I always like to fade whatever team is on hard knocks, okay? You talk about, like, the information, the access. Well, the entire public is getting all sorts of access. Access into the biting kneecaps that are going to be going on into mm-hmm. Detroit and start to then get invested in those very second, third, fourth stringers that are going to be playing their hind parts off in the second half of a third preseason game. But just because we have that kind of, you know, soundtrack behind it doesn't mean they're actually any better. So I like to fade the team that the public has incredible access to. And then I also think about some of the teams that will have players under suspension okay whether that's the new orleans saints potentially with alvin Kamara, whether that's the cleveland browns we know deshaun watson now has six games may that may change a little bit and we're gonna get them playing in preseason but the teams are gonna manage their reps slightly differently do you consider any of those things and and chris do you have any other kind of leans or things we should be looking for if it's not the things my knee-jerk reactions are
2: yeah, I mean, I think that's interesting talking about fading the team on hard knocks. I don't have the the data on like I would actually like to to look at that like the uh, the ATS <laughs> records of those teams because I think I think that could be an angle. I just can't speak on like I don't have the data to speak on it. But I, I will say um, in general, like I, I think you know we mentioned that the, a lot of the information you're getting it's kind of obscure and it's like mm-hmm. uh, I think if they if a line if like the the thing you have to remember is like, no one knows that much. Like even us, like there's still going to be such a lot of volatility and a lot of variance in, in our projections for the preseason. I mean, the, the scores are lower, you know, if the average total is in like the low thirties. Um, most of the spreads are not going to be higher than, you know, f- you know, they're probably not going to go higher than a touchdown And most of them are going to be, you know, in that field goal range or lower. So, um you know, it's, it's a lot of, I think there's always going to be value on kind of, fading the public. And you know, you right. have that information in the Action Network app, you know, where the money is going for the for the total and for the spread. So I think looking at that and kind of being contrarian there. Um, but there's also like there's um a, an interesting one that I've found is like when you get big underdogs um five and a half points or more in the preseason, um, they've been very profitable. And it's especially true when these are like non-conference matchups because there's really like no familiarity there. These teams are probably just, you know, they're they're kind of like they're, they're not playing to beat each other as much as they're trying to get looks at different things. They probably had joint practices, right? So we've seen that since Oh four these, it it doesn't happen too often, but um, when you have like an underdog by five and a half points or more uh, in non-conference preseason play uh, 46 and 30, 61%. So still a decent sample 76 um, games. It doesn't happen too often, but there's always a few spots each preseason when you can kind of, um go and, and bet on that so like that one like when the totals drop and again always always banging the Baltimore Ravens that, that's always what I'm doing in, in the preseason
1: fair enough Sean what about you any kind of trends or nuggets that we should be following when it comes to the preseason am I crazy maybe backing the Browns because Jacoby Brissett may actually get some reps yeah, no,
0: I, I like your hard knocks take. Uh, huh. Similar to Raybon, I'll have to look into that. But certainly, whenever you have a situation like that, the public might. Yeah, back the public's a team like romanticizing it, the same and, information. Yeah, and it might inflate the number again. I'm only going to take a number if I agree with the, you know, the play, the playing time, sure, and things like that. But uh, I do like that angle. Same thing with you know suspended players. DeAndre Hopkins probably wouldn't play much in the preseason, otherwise. But with this season, you know, he's going to be out the first six games maybe they get a more run. Again, I'm going to treat that on a case by case basis. So I'll just give a high level nugget. Again, this is more for in-game betting. Um, and I know we talked about on our last pod about how we like to bet in game based on, you know, the game flow. If a team's trailing by a ton, they're going to throw more things like that. Throw that out the window. Not in preseason. pre-season. <laughs> because they don't care. They don't really care right. about winning or losing. So if, if a team's up by two touchdowns, doesn't mean they're going to run the ball as much, you know, it's gonna be pretty straight up. So just keeping that in mind as well. Uh, But again, when it comes to game flow and like when players are gonna be in or out, it changes on, you know, every game. So I'm gonna treat every game completely different.
1: No, thanks a lot guys. And, you know, I think the main point here is what we are trying to ascertain. The information we're trying to get here is what is the true objective of those teams? That's why you can throw game flow out the window when these guys need to make decisions on getting to 53 and they don't really care if they win the game by four and a half points. what that about do it for us. This has been another edition of the gamblers guide here on the action network. I'm Dane Martinez, the spitting statistician for my guys, Chris Raybon and Sean Kerner. Of course, make sure you, you know, subscribe to the YouTube of action. Network, download the Action Network app, unless, of course, you are allergic to money. We'll see you next time, guys.